following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. Uh, What I want to talk about today as we transition from our series on Who Do You Say I Am?, Um, I want to talk today about life after resurrection. We're just going to spend a few weeks talking about what it means that we now can live from this place of resurrection. What does that mean, not just ethereally or as a concept, but what does it mean? What does it look like when this resurrection life is in action in the body of Christ? What does it mean for us? Individually, as we walk out our lives day to day, what does it mean for the world that this resurrection took place? And so um, that's what I want to talk about. Really, part of that came from the message that Pastor Dave brought. Uh, He just brought a powerful message about the finished work of the cross and how complete that work was to put to death... uh, everything that brings death in our lives, Uh, sin and sickness and all of those things, how finished that work was. He reminded us that the death uh, of Jesus on the cross is so complete that we no longer, those of us who are reborn in him, uh, we no longer carry within us a sin nature. And that we don't have to function out of this place of fighting an internal sin nature, but actually that he took all of that on himself. And when he raised up again, he didn't raise up with all of our sin again. Um, I encourage you, if you haven't heard that word, uh, to look it up. You can find it on our website or on the many podcast apps. Um, It was just a really powerful word on the finished work of the cross and that we need to recognize that sin is no longer the force on the inside of us, but the very life of Christ is the force on the inside of us. The very life of Christ is now our default nature. That's amazing. That is the true gospel, the true good news Not just that I don't have to die, but now I get to live out of this life of Christ. And so we want to talk about, that's an amazing thing. So how do we walk because that's true? The question that has been asked is how then should we live? If we have this new life in Christ, what does that look like? And so that's where I want to go with that today that I feel like Pastor Dave released a revelation of that reality of being dead to sin and alive to Christ. And I want us to just walk that out for the next few weeks. What does that look like? So, I want us to first recognize when we talk about how then should we live, some of you go, oh, great. This is going to be a study on all the things I should be doing and all the ways that I should be acting. This is, we have entered into the behavior modification plan. (laughs) And I want us to approach this not that way, because that's not what this is. 
This is instead an inventory of what resurrected life looks like for us. This is not an instruction manual on how we build this thing. Like, well, I gave you all the pieces, put it together. This is instead an operations manual of how this new creature now operates. This is what I can expect, how this new creation operates now that I am alive in Christ. And so can we take from our mind, as we talk about how then should we live, can we please get rid of behavior modification thinking? Can we just trash that together? And can we instead recognize, no, this means this is now the new way that I walk. This is the operations manual for how I can expect to operate now in this new life. The other thing that I want us to see as we examine this, because I believe we are coming into, don't roll your eyes, I believe that we're coming into a season of revival where the life of Jesus is going to show up in some very unique ways, in some very evident ways. And one of the ways that we're going to recognize that this life is at work is that his people are walking in this way. That's how we know that the resurrection life is moving through us. And so it's not just, well, what should I be doing? No, this is, how do I know when his life is here? How do I know when it's flowing through me? We can celebrate that. We can go, oh, there's evidence. The evidence of your goodness. The evidence of your life is right there. So it's important that we know what that looks like. And where I want to study from is out of Ephesians. Because I feel like Paul is answering this exact question. He's answering this exact question that says, in light of resurrection, so sorry, we changed mics and I probably wore too dangly of earrings for it. Okay. Hmm. I do need some duct tape. No, I'm good. Okay. So I feel like Paul is answering this exact question because he goes through this whole thing when he's writing to the Ephesians and he's basically telling them, this is how you can live in light of these things. So let's start. I I appreciate always kind of knowing the background, especially if we're kind of going to do an expository teaching out of Ephesians. We want to just review the background that Paul is writing to the believers of Ephesus who are Gentiles. So they did not grow up in any sense of community of faith. They didn't grow up with the same um, understanding of Scripture that the Jews would have. They're coming into this cold, basically. (laughs) And so he's speaking to them. These are the Gentiles who've come to Jesus, and he's writing this from prison. And what we know about the, the Ephesians is that they are beloved of Paul. He has a deep relationship with them. This isn't like the same as when somebody uh, just writes a letter and throws it out there into the atmosphere, like an open letter. 
to believers everywhere. He's writing to somebody that he knows very well, that he loves dearly. If you want to know kind of the history of this congregation that he's writing to, look in Acts 19. There's just some things about that in Paul's relationship with them. And we see that he's weeping as he's leaving them because there's this heart that he has for them. But what he's writing to them, this group of believers, basically to me, Ephesians is summed up as this. He's writing to a people who are rich beyond measure in the spirit, but who are living as beggars. And he's convincing them of their richness. In some ways, he's counting every blessing on their behalf. And he's saying, you have this richness, and because you have this richness, you can walk in this way, you can live in this way. And so he's reminding them of that, what it means to live on this side of the resurrection. In Ephesians 1 through 3, he's recounting kind of the redemption of all things. And he's talking about how Jesus is bringing all things back together again. He's saying, this is what's in your heavenly bank account. This is what is available to you. And he uses words like adoption and acceptance and redemption and forgiveness and wisdom and inheritance. And he talks about the seal of the Holy Spirit that seals their salvation. And he talks about life that's available to them and grace and new citizenship and every spiritual blessing. This is all in Ephesians 1 through 3. I'd encourage you, dive into it. Because what he's saying is, in light of this death and this resurrection of Jesus, this is what's available to us. This is what is living in you now. And so then we see, for example, in Ephesians 1.18. This is one of my favorite. I love the prayers of Paul. And he prays that the eyes of their understanding would be opened that they may know what is the hope of his calling, the calling of Jesus, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And the power he's talking about is the power of resurrection, that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. This is what he's talking about. What is the riches of that? What is the the fullness of that? This is his prayer as he's writing this letter that they would know that. This is my prayer for us as the body of Christ that we would know this. This is an ongoing prayer for the body, that we would know the fullness of the riches of his glory. So then... We, we see this connection that he's making to the resurrection when we get to chapter 2. And he says, And he made alive you who were dead. 2 verse 1. He made alive you who were dead in trespasses in sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But here's the good news. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love, 
which he loved us even when we were dead. He made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. He made us alive, but God. He said, you used to walk like this because you were dead. And now you're alive in Christ. Later on in that same place, he talks about it as being far and brought near. We were far from God and we were brought near. And so we see this restoration of all things that he's talking about, of Jesus bringing all things together. Later on in in, uh, chapter 3, he talks about the fitting together of the Jews and the Gentiles, that the Gentiles were outside. They were outside the people of God. And he says, because of what Jesus did, you were brought near, you were brought in and made one with the people of God. You became And it's interesting because he talks about it as a mystery. I love this part because it's, it's this great mystery to the apostles that Jesus intended what he did also for the Gentiles. And he talks about how the fathers in the age before, they didn't know, but now this mystery has been revealed to us that it is for all mankind. That's good news for us. For most of us, maybe some of you are, have Jewish uh, background here, but, and so you would have been in anyway, but it's, it's good for us. And, and so he talks about all of this, and he says, because of all of this, then in Ephesians 3, verse 20, he says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power, what power? this power of resurrection that brought us from death to life. The power that works in us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. So here's this this setup for where I want to go today. Yes, that was the introduction. Here's this setup for where I want to go today. This is Paul saying, here is everything that's in your spiritual bank account. Here is everything that has been provided for you by one thing alone, the death and the resurrection of Jesus because of God's great love. Here's everything that you have. And then here's the piece that we can sometimes have warm fuzzies about or not. In chapter four, verse one, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So he's he's saying, because of all of that that I just laid out in chapters one through three, I beg you, walk worthy of the calling that you were called. He, He talks earlier about the hope of his calling. For our purposes today, the calling that I want us to, I mean, he's referring to the call to salvation. But to me, he's I'm hearing it as the call out of the grave. The call like when he called Lazarus, come forth. Walk, I want to walk worthy of the call out of the grave. When he called me into life. And again, we can hear that. I, can t- I promise you I have heard that most of my Christian life and God guilt. Don't you know that he died for you? 
Walk worthy of that calling. And I've carried this, oh, I, I have to do better for Jesus. No, he's saying, all of this is available to you. Spend it. <laughs> Walk in it. You don't have to accomplish it. He's told us several other places, don't do it by your own strength. But walk worthy of the calling. And when that word worthy, what it's really talking about, and what, what the, the Greek word refers to, has to do with a scale. That what's on one side would be equal to what's on the other side. That there would be equal weight. Now, I didn't have time to find one that actually works. So let's just pretend that it actually operates. But a scale like this, like in the marketplace, this is the Greek word that it's referring to when it says walk worthy. It's saying walk so that what's on this side is of equal weight and value to what's on this side. Walks worthy. Here's all of the riches that are available to you. So walk in this manner so that it's of equal weight to that. He's saying, because you have all this, walk like this, live like this. This is what look, life looks like when you have spiritual wealth. Or again, he's saying, Jesus, put everything back together again, and this is what it looks like to live out of that reality. So he says, walk worthy. For our purposes, it's to let our living be of equal weight to our calling. To that calling of salvation. He's saying, let your living be of equal weight to that. Live the resurrected life. So on one side we have, I'm working my way up to being able to do family Sunday and teach with the kids in here. On one, way, on one side, we have this calling. It's actually bigger than that, but this was the only block I could find. Um, we have calling. That the calling of uh, out of death into life. And so what I want to look at over the next few weeks, for my part, is I want to look at what does it look like to walk worthy? What... What is the weight on this side that is of equal weight to that calling? <clears throat> we know that the word walk there actually means to conduct life as or to live. And we want to walk from this place of resurrection and calling. So when we look at then the next three chapters, chapter uh, four, five, and six, there are six things that I point out or pull out of that. And I think there's probably a lot more in other parts of the New Testament, and um, we could do a much more exhaustive study, but that sounds exhausting. Um, but here's what I could pull out out of those. As he says, therefore, walk like this. The first one is that we would live in unity, and we're going we're gonna to look at that more in depth today. That we would live as a new creation. That we would live in love that we would live in the light and as children of light, that we would live 
out of restored and reordered relationships when it talks about husbands and wives and children and parents and bosses and employees, and that we would live in power. I'm hoping Pastor Bob will teach that one. But, but it's, an awesome, it's an awesome thing for us to look at and to examine. When I see these things at work, when I see unity, when I see someone that is walking as a new creation, when I see someone walking in love that seems beyond what's humanly possible, when I see light coming into darkness, when I see relationships functioning in a restored order, and when I see the power of God, it is all evidence of resurrection life at work. These are the things that we already see in our lives that we're going to see in increasing measure. And we can know that his resurrection life is growing in us. So let's talk today about this first aspect of, of part of being called... I have to find my unity. We do have to find our unity, don't we? Part of being called and and called from death into life is that we are called into a new community. We're called into a new family. And I think that sometimes this can be hard for some of us. It can be hard depending on the culture we were raised in and, and our upbringing Um, because I think there can be this independence that we have. I think Minnesotans, by and large, are fairly independent. We we have kind of a, a way of thinking about things that can be somewhat independent. But we need to recognize that we've been called out of the world into a new community, into a, a new people that we've come into. And I feel like Paul had, had uh, his work cut out for him in helping the Gentiles understand this concept because their real only connection to that was probably their nationality or their, that that was what they were united around. They didn't understand being united around as a community of faith the way that maybe the Jewish community did. And so he's trying to explain this to them, what that looks like and how you come into being a people and that it's not just me and Jesus. Although there is something very, very personal about the calling out that Jesus does. When he calls us into salvation, it is very personal. How have we coined it? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? That's a real thing. That's necessary. That has to happen for me to, to, for myself, respond to that call and, and respond to the death and the resurrection of Jesus for myself. It's very personal, but it's not private. <laughs> it's, it's done in this community of faith. There's a place even where we, we want to have that confession of faith be known to our community. That's why it's important that we testify. I wish that I have, maybe I'll work on that. Maybe that'll be my next project. I would love to hear every single one of you, your testimonies of the calling out that Jesus did. And your testimony of coming into that place of life in him 
because it's very personal and it's very unique, but it's not meant to be private. And what we found is that there's a lot of people in this day, there's a lot of people in this day who have committed to following Jesus, but they want to do it apart from the church. That would be completely foreign to Paul. That would be completely foreign to the early believers. And I don't mean that it has to be a particular church or a a particular structure of church. I really believe that the Lord is using all kinds of different ways to gather believers. But, But this Lone Ranger kind of mentality of it's just me and Jesus and I just kind of go wherever me and Jesus want to go, it would be very foreign to the early church. Or there's times when we can say, yes, um, yes, I love Jesus, but, you know, the church not so much. Well, he loves the church. It's still his plan. He's still ironing out the wrinkles. But, it, but, but there's this reality of we have been called out into this community of resurrected people. And what he's saying to the Gentiles is, you are dead to being separate, and now you are alive to being in unity. Like it or not. <laughs> How many times... My husband could answer this for me. How many times have you seen some other believer interviewed on TV or, or they've said something or they're, they're doing something in particular and you go, oh, please don't be one of us. But they are. Like it or not, we, we have been brought into this new community of resurrected people. And he's saying, now live in a way in that that matches the calling, that matches the life of Jesus. And here's one of the ways, it's annoying, it's the first thing he talks about. Walk worthy of the calling, verse one of chapter four, verse two, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love with all, oh, I'm going to say it again because I wrote it twice here. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, being diligent to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What does it look like to walk worthy of the calling? It looks like unity within his body. And where he talks about being diligent It means to act fervently with zeal or exerting yourself. But what I want us to recognize here is he is not saying act diligently or um, fervently with zeal and exert yourself to create this unity. He's saying act fervently to keep it. Why? Because it's already ours. Because it was already accomplished. It's not our job. I promise you, I can feel, because I have a heart for unity in the body, I just don't believe that we're going to get anywhere we need to go without it. I just feel that strongly about it. 
because of what Jesus prayed and what he spoke and what he was asking the Father for, that we would be made one. And that he said it would demonstrate to the world that he really is who he says he is. So it's so important to me. But I can tell you, I have felt like I have to exert myself to make it happen. I have to try to create it. I have to come up with ideas and, and work really hard. And No, it, it is finished. It was accomplished. We already are one, like it or not. We already are in this unity. We don't have to create it. So when we chose Jesus, when we answered the call, we didn't get to choose who we want to be one body with. <laughs> we are one body with those who confess these same truths that we confess. We are one body. Turn to your neighbor, just for fun so I can take a drink, and say, you're stuck with me. You're stuck with me, And then turn to your neighbor and, and say, I'm so, so glad. Some of you are not following the instructions. So God has already created this unity in the spirit through the lordship of Jesus Christ. We just get to help preserve it. We get to step into it. That means when I see disunity in the body, I can go, yeah, but we're alive to unity. And God is working that in his body. And I'm going to be zealous not to create something that doesn't exist, but to walk in something he's already done for us. It's cool because scripture talks about the way that we enter this unity. Uh, where does it talk here? Okay, so let's go down to verse 4. This is how we know that it's already done. I know you believe me, but I want to show you in this book. He says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling. There's the calling. So we're walking worthy of that. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, and through all, and in you all. And so he's saying there is this one body already, and one of the ways we enter into it is through baptism. There's other places in Scripture when it talks about that, that baptism is not necessarily just a me and Jesus affair. Baptism is a baptism into a new community, a new family. That's why it's cool when baptism is witnessed by the people of God. There's always people there around you that are welcoming you into this community, this family that you've now, you're now dead to aloneness and separateness and you're alive to this oneness in the body of Christ. You're dead to a lot of other things and alive to a lot of other things. But this is one of the things that we get to walk in. It's like new life has come into you. Now meet your brothers and sisters. Don't be scared. They're pretty cool. So it happens at the resurrection, but we preserve it. And how do we preserve it? Through 
taking on humility, gentleness, patience, bearing in love. All things that Jesus already carries in his character that's at work within us. So we just get to step into that. Another way that we get to embrace that and have it is through the embracing of the different gifts. So he goes on in chapter 4 to talk about the different gifts that he's given to the church. To do all the work in the church? No. To equip the body to build one another up. To equip the body to grow one another And this is where I'm going to land. In verse 15 of chapter 4, he says, so as part of this unity, as you've been equipped by these gifts of uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Well, I'm just going to read all of that because it's just good. So he himself, this is verse 11 of chapter 4, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you see this measure thing that he's talking about? Walk in this way. Come to the measure of the calling in your life. That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into all things into him who is the head, Christ. There's a difference between waking up and growing up. There's a difference between waking up and and the awakening that happens when we're brought to life and the growing up that he's talking about here. The waking up brings, brings us to that place, but what he's talking about here is this maturity in Jesus that he's saying, walk this out because it'll cause you to grow up into the fullness of who Jesus is. That's why we need unity in the body. That's why we need to be challenged sometimes. That's why we need to to have a a little bit of give and take because we're growing up into the fullness so we can walk worthy of the calling, walk worthy of this resurrection life. Amen? So we've got like five other things to examine But I just want us to recognize a couple of things or to close with a couple of things, and that is we already have, this isn't about a list of things we have to do. We already have this oneness, and we have the privilege of stepping into that and growing one another up into that through this shared experience of resurrection life in us. The other piece is I want us to recognize that uh, all things for life and godliness have been brought to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we have access to all, as we go through these different ways that God intends for us to walk, we know that we have access to it through his death and his resurrection. 
It's not something unobtainable for us. I want to encourage those of you who are moms or those of you who are grieving on Mother's Day. Some of you have lost moms. Some of you have disappointment around motherhood. Or, but as we look at that, some of you are in the throes of, of raising little ones and it feels like all the life is being sucked out of you. <laughs> Let me remind you that you have access to a life beyond your own. You have access to a resurrection life. Yes, a mother is needed there. <laughs> so I want to encourage you in that, that you would tap into, you would walk not in all the things that I am supposed to be doing, but that you would tap into this resurrection life, this way that you can walk. This way that you can walk through grief if you're walking through grief. This way that you can walk through disappointment or through challenge or frustration that he's made available to us this life beyond our own. Amen? Amen? So Lord, we thank you for every spiritual blessing. We thank you for our richness, the richness of the resurrection, the fullness of life, that you came that we would have life and have it abundantly. God, we ask that you would continue to show us what that means that you would continue to help us know what it means to walk worthy, that we would begin to balance the scale as the body of Christ, as we walk in the fullness of every spiritual blessing that we have in you. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.